Welcome to the MLMSuccess.com podcast, the show designed to return the network marketing industry to its roots of personal growth, leadership development, and wisdom of the ages success principles. We share with you real success stories from real people that we hope will inspire and encourage you personally and help you progress forward in your business and your life. We believe if you build people, people will build the business. Now here is your host who has been called the number one mind in network marketing, the MLM Profit, Network Marketing Virtual Mentor, and a host of other names that we will not mention because this is a family show. Frankly, he's just a small town guy that figured out that the real product in network marketing is people. Dale Calvert. I'd like to welcome you to this session of MLMSuccess.com, the podcast. The title of this session is Success starts with a decision. Your very, very special speaker on this session is Bob Armstrong. Uh, I had the privilege to work with Bob for about five years. Uh, We traveled on multiple exotic vacations. Uh, He was part of our leadership group, Uh, did multiple events in Indiana and throughout Kentucky and Traveled to Las Vegas together and Northern California and working with some of his team out there. We spent a lot of time together. Bob was probably the most unique, one of the most unique individuals that I ever met in my life. Uh, The last time I saw him, I think was around 2011, 2012, when he attended the how to create leads in your local market three hour seminar that I was doing in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. Uh, Bob passed away on 11, 25, 2016. He was commonly known as the Hoosier boss because he's from Indiana Hoosiers, Indiana Hoosier boss, the Hoosier boss. He was a very unique individual I hope he knows how much he meant to me. I think he does. How much I loved him and his wife, Pat, who is is still going strong, the last I heard. Uh, The one thing that I could say about Bob Armstrong and the one thing that I wish for everybody that ever hears my voice, Bob did not die with his music in him. He was after it. From the time I've known him his whole life, he was after it. He did not die with his music in him. And I so appreciate that and so much more that I could say. Uh, but I won't at this time. Some of you knew Bob. Those that knew him, loved him. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to share with you Bob Armstrong's story on this session of the MLM Success Dot com podcast success starts with a decision the gentleman who is our next speaker has been in traditional business for over 30 years and he's been very successful he came into new image developed his four beliefs found a few good people who in turn found a few good people and after two and a half years went full-time with New Image. I don't think he could do that with any other company out there. He's the author of the term, the preacher and the kid, and he's always in the top money earners. 
he refers to himself as the farm boy from New Salisbury, Indiana, that's having the time of his life. Please welcome National Director Bob Armstrong. Thank you, Ray. What an honor and privilege it is to be asked to come before my New Image family today and to give our life story. Uh, I just hope that there's something about our lives that will help you a little bit along your journey to the top. I think one thing you'll realize that the geographic location that you come from and the educational background that you start with is not a determining factor where you'll end up in New Image. This is my birthplace in southern Indiana. My mother and dad, they were sharecroppers. And sharecroppers, if you're not a, familiar with the term, back in the 30s and 40s, that's when you work for food and shelter. You can receive no pay. On the farm, we didn't have running water, but we did take baths. This is, this is Bob's, myself taking a bath in the tub. Fun in the sun, as we refer to. This is my mother and myself, uh, standing beside a cream can. For you city folks, back in the 30s and 40s, this way we transported the milk from the farm to the city and consequently it was delivered to your house. This is my mother, or my dad, with two horses hauling manure out. Some people said this is where I got my start spreading it, I don't know. <laughs> this, got a late laugh there. This is my dad with the binder getting ready to go out to the field early uh, morning. This is my sister and I standing beside my grandfather's uh, place there in Fredericksburg, Indiana. Back on the farm, we didn't have uh, automobiles. The way we uh, traveled was with horses and, uh, and buggies. Uh, of course, there was automobiles, of course, but we could not afford them. You may wonder how I got on this uh, horse. We usually climbed up on a fence post or got on a stump, and that's how we mounted. At a very early age, I was a very competitive uh, individual, and uh, my father negotiated with a gentleman from Cardin, Indiana, that had a 320-acre farm. And we moved there, and the uh, contract was that we received one-fourth of the net profit for the year. So I started attending the high school there at Cordon, Indiana, and uh, I became involved with the Future Farmers of America, FFA, and these other three boys, and me, we won the Indiana State uh, Soil Judging Contest. 
everyone at the age of uh, 15, 16, they dream of their automobiles. Well, we still wasn't flourished with money by any means. So how I purchased my first car was I went to the junkyard. There was a big junkyard there in Corden, and uh, I borrowed a fellow's wagon, and we hauled it out to the farm, and I worked on it myself, and I had someone else to help paint it. I overhauled the engine myself, and this was my first car. I was very proud of it. Now, a lot of people argue about this, but folks, I did graduate from high school. I have a certificate to prove it. And I was like everyone else through the years. We was told you go to school, you get an education, uh, get a job, and you've heard the story, work 40 years, $40,000 to get a $40 watch. Well, I was following the tradition at that time, and this is the first day that I went on my first job. I went to the DuPont company. And while I was at DuPont, I was only there just a few months, and I realized at the time that I was quite a salesperson, so I really put a sales number on this young lady. <laughs> and that's whenever she said yes, and we've uh, 44 years that we have really enjoyed each other. While at the DuPont Company, I uh, was still in my competitive mode of trying to give 100% of myself, and I wanted to be a pipe fitter. I asked a superintendent there at the, du at the company, I said, uh, what needs to be done for me to be a journeyman pipe fitter? And he said, we have a program that you go through and it takes five years. Well, I spent the five years, I paid the price to become the pipe fitter there at DuPont. Also, at the same time, after I received that journeyman, I pretty well made real good scores in the five years. We had to take periodic tests to receive this journeyman certificate, and I heard about a contest in the state of Kentucky, and DuPont was located in Rubbertown in Louisville, here in Louisville. Heard about a contest that they were going to have for the number one pipe fitter in the state, and I asked if there was any way I could enter this. I studied, I read all my books, my manuals, and everything that I had studied over the uh, five years to become a journeyman, and I won the, no uh, the number one pipe fitter in the state of Kentucky. I'm very proud of that. So, but there's something started happening to me. It seems like whenever you achieve the top, uh, if you're the top pipe fitter uh, and, you, and you look around, there isn't anything else. I mean, there's no challenge left. So what happened at the plant I was 26 years old, and they had an independent union there at the plant, and it was not affiliated with the uh, international. Uh, I decided that I wanted the top job there as a pipe fitter. 
So a friend and I, we ran for the union, had to be elected, and we won the election. So he and I took over the union, and I was 26 years old, and I was going to get a picture of this to uh, show you. I mean, I can't believe 1,800 men would put the trust in a skinny guy at 26 years old to take over their, their union, but they did. I wrote, I helped write two contracts, and each time I came up for election, a friend and I, we won the election by quite a large margin. Well, here again, I had the same feeling. At 30 years old, I had reached the top in the union work, and the challenge was not there anymore. And I realized that I was spending eight hours a day working at a, a factory. Even though I was head of the union, I still had to show up every day. I didn't work as a pipe fitter, but I had to do union work. And I just, I just couldn't handle it. So during a, a meeting there with the top management, I made the announcement that I was going to quit. And I did. I got up and walked out. I told them just, I'd never be back to a plane again. And I thanked them for the opportunity and I went home. Pat was there and we had a little problem that day. She said, what are you doing home? I said, Pat, I quit my job. 30 years old. She said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, Pat, I promised you and I promised God that I would take care of you till God took one of us away. And I'm going to continue doing that, but it's not going to be working at a job. I want to do it on my own. So during my stay there, our daughter uh, at DuPont, our baby uh, Denise was born, and baby Scott was born then. So this is what I did. I started a car lot there in New Salisbury. Uh, it was a day that, uh, in 1968, I'll never forget, on Labor Day. So... I worked the conventional business uh, of selling automobiles, and also about this time, I also became interested in network marketing. So one of the companies, the first one was We Care America, and whenever I seen the concept of network marketing, I was really, really intrigued with it. And uh, I studied the manual at the time that they had, and he had it set up like you could go to the top in like a year and a half of real hard work. Well, Pat and I, we achieved the top position in six months. We went to uh, St. Louis to receive our awards, and it was a national convention. And we came across the stage, and I was very confused because I didn't get the awards. So we came home still confused of why. On Tuesday, that was on a weekend, on Tuesday we received a call saying that the company had filed bankruptcy and the president had ran off with a large sum of money. So that was my first experience with network marketing. So back up one, please. 
And uh, so during this time, I had worked the conventional businesses, and uh, I had also got involved with other diversified businesses there at my place uh, of business. And uh, during this time, Denise, she graduated from high school, and Scott graduated. They were growing up. So one of the businesses I started was lawn and garden business in uh, 1987. I was very excited about starting the, uh, one of the, uh, this other business. So I'll, I'll never forget the morning, though, in March of 1987. Beautiful day. We had three, two or three hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment setting out. Uh, sun was shining, all employed. We had it all lined up. Eleven o'clock, it started raining, or snow, well, it started raining and that turned to snow. By the end of the day, we had over 12 inches of snow. So that's how I started my lawn and garden business. But it all worked out. So in 87, I was just so uh, really pleased about uh, the decision I'd made. I made a lot of money that year. In fact, uh, uh, quite, a, quite a sum of money. I need to back up. I'm sorry. I didn't know what was next. Thank you. So... Uh, the lawn and garden business had uh, had been uh, something that I could really work into because I had uh, mechanical ability. Uh, so I set up the shop the way it should be set up, and everything was going good. And then in 1988, I got all my equipment out, ready to go again, and we had a drought. So the uh, I'll bring you up just a little bit when I get on down the road here a little. Well, Scott and uh, and Denise, they had grown up. Uh, then here come, uh, then our Greg and Brooke was born, our first grandchild, and we were quite pleased with them, uh, a very, very proud parents, uh, grandparents. Kate and Richard, then they, uh, that was Scott's uh, children. So here's the proud grandparents holding the four, well, not holding the drag. He drew it up there and, and Brooks. So we've been very fortunate, Pat and I, all through our years of, uh, each year we, we always tried to take the family and we did. We tried and worked at it and we did go somewhere every year on vacation. So on our 25th wedding anniversary, we, Pat and I went to Hawaii, and uh, I kind of got a taste of vacation uh, out of the mainland, so to speak, because most of our vacations through the years had been to uh, Florida and so on, and uh, so when we went to Hawaii, uh, we started traveling overseas, and we went to a number, number of uh, countries over, overseas. This one, the top left is Holland. And on the right there on the top is uh, the, we're standing in front of the Matterhorn there in, in Switzerland. On the bottom left is uh, Pat and I in Spain. And on the bottom right is Munich, Germany. 
So that brings us up to the new image made a lifelong dream come true for us. So I go back to uh, the point of 1988, how new image played a big role in Pat and I's life. We started out in 88 just exactly like in 87. Everything looked great. The business was booming. And then we had this drought. I mean, we had very, just hardly any rain from March all the way up to September. Well, I had invested large sums of money into the uh, outdoor power equipment and uh, wasn't selling anything. Got $300,000 worth of equipment sitting there. The suppliers wanted their money. Interest was starting to pile up. And I really was concerned very concerned. And I was so concerned that the stress of this led me to believe that I was going to lose the home and the farm and the business, and I had a massive heart attack. And I remember that morning, July the 15th, back to the 9.30 a.m., I walked into the front office, and, and it hit me. Uh, I did turn around. I, I made it over to the house, and I told Pat, I said, something real bad to happen, and I said, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. So they got me down to the hospital there in the county, county hospital, and they couldn't do anything, so they put me. I had a helicopter. The helicopter brought me over to Jewish Hospital. I, I, I really felt at the, about the lowest that I'd ever felt in my life at that time. I felt like I had failed. I felt like that if I went to sleep, because they were trying to knock me out, that I would die. So I stayed awake. They did angioplastic, and I'll never, I, I know looking at the monitors, they had 100% blockage, and the blood started flowing, and the, the pain went away. So, Whenever I came home, I I knew that was in uh, yeah 1988. So I knew that I was going to really have to give it all I had to pull my business out. Uh, as I said, I, I couldn't pay my bills, but the bank banker there in, in Corden, Indiana, was uh, very gracious, a loving Christian individual. And he backed me up to half a million dollars to save my business. So I, I worked very hard and I had my debt paid down about $380,000. In 1993, I was clicking along and paying it off. So in 93, we had another drought. And I thought, oh my. So, Naturally, I went back to the banker. Well, I couldn't borrow any more money. So, I, bills are piling up and piling up. And meanwhile, I had worked net, network marketing, and I was with a company, uh, Quorum International. I was doing fairly well with it. Uh, I was making, I, I had to say good money, but my downline was not making good money. So, I seen that I wasn't going to pull myself out with this company. Uh, possibly, it may have been me. I don't know. But anyway, I uh, pretty well had decided 
that I was going to give that company up, and I didn't know what I was going to do. November the 10th, I had, uh, Kenny Jeanette, he had been involved with this same company, and we had became acquainted at a regional school, uh, school there in, uh, Cincinnati, I believe. And, uh, so Kenny, at, on November the 10th, he introduced me to New Image. Well, I was very skeptical. I'd pretty well said, this is it. I don't want any part of any more network marketing. But I did look at it. Well, I got to meet Ron and Dale, I think that night or the next Tuesday night. And, uh, of course, I didn't know a gentleman. Never heard of him. So what I did from November, basically, up to about March, I still was running my outdoor power equipment. Uh, I'd come over in my rental work clothes, I sat in the back of the room, and I watched these two guys. And I think they, a lot of times, he wondered, who is this joker? And I kind of wondered the same thing about myself. But, you know, I'm sitting back here. But I wanted to make sure. I, I had had some lots of bad experiences and a lot of good experiences with network marketing. And I just didn't want to make another error in judgment. Uh, if I was going to venture into another company. So after uh, a lot of uh, investigation and studying, and I decided then March of 1994 that I was with the right company. I found out that Ron was a minister and a Christian, Dale was a Christian, and this is the type of people that I wanted to put all my trust and effort behind. I can follow those people. At that time, I had not really made any significant amount of money, but I had been studying and listening to cassettes, and I liked the teachings that Dale had. So my business and my life had got to the point where I was going to have to really make a decision of what I was going to do. So I got my check in March. Pat was there in the kitchen. There's $359. And I said, Pat, I have made a decision that I'm going to put every ounce of energy that I have in new image. And I can say that this is I, I really believe that's all I have is belief. I have nothing else except to believe in these two gentlemen. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow them and I'm gonna give all my energies and I'm gonna say to you and I'm do everything I can, but I can promise you if nothing happens, I will have a check one year from day for over $10,000. She, She looked at me, and so she decided then that maybe this was real, and she had two years to go to retire from the post office. She believed it so much that she resigned from the post office, and she went with me full-time, and she gave all her efforts to help me. One year from the day, March of 1995, I received a call from Ron.
it was at night, and I think Dale was there, and Pat was listening. Ron said, Bob, we have just wrote a check with your name on it, and the amount of the check, one year from what I said it would be, was $10,400. That was definitely the turning point in our life. I knew then, I mean, I had the reasons, I had the beliefs, and I had everything that I needed to make it to the top than in New Image. So, it was so great having this, and I was taking the money from New Image, keeping my, the creditors off of me uh, on my conventional business, and it just kept on getting better and better and better. And I know the, that year I had a lifelong dream from the time I was a youngster to go to China someday. The month of October 1995, I was able to allow that dream to come through. Pat and I, along with 21 other folks that I put together with a private guide, we spent a month of October in China. We, we was able to, I was able to stand on the Great Wall. Pat and I, uh, Petting a panda bear, which is the only country that has panda bears. That was us on the bottom left in uh, the Forbidden City. We were so fortunate that two years prior to that, they opened the city up so uh, the tourists could go in. On the right there, we was at the uh, in Shanghai. So by this dream coming together, at the end of the year, 1995, I looked at my books and the accountant and I, we sat down and for the second year that I was with New Image, my conventional business did bring in $800,000 and by the time I paid all my taxes, paid everything related to it, my employees, I had to send them to school to have them certified. It cost me three to four thousand dollars for each one. I ended up with only twelve hundred dollars net. With new image for that year, nineteen ninety-five, cost me twenty-five dollar investment to renew. The second year with new image, I netted one hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars. It's an absolute privilege to share Bob's story with you guys on this podcast. Yeah, he's gone, but he's not forgotten, that's for sure. The three things I would tell you about Bob Armstrong is, is three things that is, it's just so important for you to achieve your upside potential with this profession. Number one, you've heard me say many times, Jim Rohn talked about it. Formal education makes you a living. If you become self-educated, you can create a fortune. And Bob became self-educated. Number two, Bob cared enough about his team to get them plugged in, to get them plugged in. And he said, look, and if you weren't going to get plugged in, then he didn't want you wasting your time, energy, and effort. And they got plugged into the systems and programs. And the third thing is he, he just was a leader. 
He was a leader because he got people plugged in. He cared and loved his people enough to give them every chance in the world to stack the odds for success in their favor. And he understood what Zig said. You really can't have anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Uh, again, Bob passed away 11 2016. I'll never forget that day. It was, it was, I was shocked, but I was so thankful that I had, you know, after we worked together for five years and then kind of lost contact, but we'd seen each other uh, a, a couple years prior at the event in Louisville that I mentioned earlier. And I guess that's the last thing that I want to say as we end up this podcast. You know, the friendships you develop in this profession, sometimes you lose contact with those people, but do your best to stay in in touch with people. Do your best to stay in touch with people. The three benefits of this business, number one is the personal development. Bob exemplified that, that this profession provides. Number two is the friendships that you develop. And number three is the lifestyle the residual income can provide you where you can go to China for 30 days or live whatever your dreams are. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Your feedback, reviews, input is always appreciated. You guys have an awesome week, and I'll talk to you next week on another session of the MLMSuccess.com podcast. If you haven't gone over to iTunes yet and rated and left this podcast a review, what are you waiting for? At Calvert Marketing Group, we want to spend our time on the projects that we know are providing the most value for our clients and customers. You leaving us a review and feedback on iTunes is something that helps us more than you realize. And more importantly, it helps others like you find us. So if you've not taken the time to rate this podcast, please go over to iTunes and do that for us now. It will only take a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule. Work harder on yourself than you do on your business, and we will be back next week with another inspiring success story, wisdom of the ages training, or answers to your questions.